Welcome to 10,000 More, the podcast that explores the topics of grief, mental health, love, and everything that intertwines that all together. I'm Ruby Falk, and whatever it is that brought you to me, I'm very grateful for it. Hi guys, welcome back. Today with me, I have Maggie. Uh, Maggie lost her dad in 2015. And I hope this is okay to say, I'm gonna like give a little tangent here. So I always talk to people who are gonna be on the podcast before, um, just to like get a sense of what they wanna talk about, what they don't wanna talk about, what's off limits, what they wanna share, blah, blah, blah. And Maggie was really worried about the introduction because she was like, I have no idea where to begin. And I was like, that in and of itself is so relatable because where do you begin when you talk about this topic? And like, I so get that. I so, so get that. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Maggie and let her decide where she wants to begin. So Maggie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, yes, I, I'm laughing because it, it really did trip me up. How do you start? <laughs> and I think what you said about grief being nonlinear is so accurate. I could tell you the circumstances and everything that happened in order in the last six years since my dad passed away. But really, the actual heart of grief is so complicated and it's not linear at all. And mm -hmm. there's so many tangents from it. So yeah. my dad passed away in 2015 um, unexpectedly. And it was two months before my now husband and I got married, um, which is a story familiar to you. Like yes. we talked about, it's kind of mirrored. Um, your dad passed away after your wedding. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think saying that out loud still is really fragile and tender for me. Mm. I don't often say it. I don't have to say it to my dear friends and family, of course. Right. But if it comes up in a social setting, it's such an out-of-body experience. And I was actually thinking about this last night. Mm. Yesterday was my dad's birthday. And every year I try to either make him his favorite cake or if I'm not able to bake, I buy... <clears throat> his favorite candy, which is an almond joy. He was never a candy guy, but an almond joy and put a candle in it and sing happy birthday to him. And I realized kind of going through the day, it's sort of a numb experience until I actually start to light the candles and sing happy birthday to my dad. And it's just so weepy. Yeah. And in counseling a lot, my, my counselor talks about, she'll always stop me if I'm rushing too fast. She'll say, okay, that was a huge statement. Where do you feel that in your body? Mm. And I often, I often say, <clears throat> I don't. And she kind of looks at me and I've learned now <laughs> it's because I'm not connecting my heart and my, and my mind together. So when I say out loud, my dad passed away. If I were to really feel that statement, it's, it, it would just rip me open all over again. So I think that's why it's mm. so fragile. And I think that's why I take time to pause to celebrate his birthday is to give myself a chance to connect head and heart and feel the emotions of loss. Yeah. Um, so I'll stop there. I, no, I think <laughs> that's, that's, that's intro. 
I, I yeah, that's. I th- I think it feels funny for me to say like it also feels weird for me to say when my dad died because like I have a podcast where like I talk about it all the time, but it is still. I I think what's so strange is is like that that feeling of having to explain yourself. And then it opens up the whole conversation to people. I remember right after I lost my dad, I kept, I got very stuck in thinking about the fact that like everyone I meet now from now on will never know my dad, will always know me as like a girl who doesn't have her dad. Like there was so, there were so many identities that I was stripped of. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I new ones. Because- yeah. Yeah, I I totally do because I think in and part of saying six years I mean six years ago yeah. is so strange. And yeah. to think someday it'll be ten years and someday it'll be fifteen and uh, that yeah. you and I have operated without someone so significant to us for six years, mm-hmm. like the central figure is one of the reasons we're here. It's just so startling every time. And I think I think that what you said reminds me of a I, a few months after my dad died, I remember catching up on the phone with a friend from college and, you know, talking about grief in the first year to two years is so confusing. You have mm-hmm. no idea how you actually feel. You're a shattered mess, but you have no idea how much of a mess you are. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in survival mode and you don't know you're in survival mode until you're out of it. And you look back and think, wow, I, I was a mess. I was just a shattered train wreck. And mm-hmm. But I remember trying to explain something to her and she kind of stopped me and said, I was thinking about this. When your dad died, you died with him, sort of, you know, and and I think that was really true for me. It was it, it really struck me in that moment because I thought that's so true. Everything I thought would be died, everything that I know who I am defined by him is gone. And there's a whole re there's a regrowth that's going to happen and it took forever. I felt like the kind of the beautiful story of grief, if we're going to try to find beauty and and such a terrible loss and something that just feels so wrong for me has been, I felt dead for a long time. I felt like I was dead soil under layers and layers of ice under snow storms. I mean, I just, I wasn't, I, d- I didn't recognize myself. And I remember it was maybe two and a half to three years later when I saw myself in the mirror for the first time. Oh I hadn't, yeah. you know, I hadn't seen myself. And I remember looking at myself and thinking, oh my gosh, yeah. you're so different. You're the same, but you're different. It was the first time I recognized myself again. And that's when I felt like I slowly started to come back to life, healing from and I think it's a lifelong process to heal from mm-hmm. loss. I, I do, I, I'm not super in agreement with time heals all wounds. I don't actually, in my experience, haven't experienced that with grief, but right. I think just this concept of everything about who I am changed yes. and there were some familiar parts, but you know, you and I have walked through monumental moments without our you know, without our dads, I'm, I'm pregnant. My dad's not here. You brought children into your world. Your dad isn't here to meet them, to know them. And I, I remember being at my youngest brother's college graduation a couple years ago and it hit all of us so hard Mm. because 
he was a freshman when dad passed away and it just kind of helped me step outside of my own grief to see the ripple effects of grief in our family and how it impacted each person so differently and that he did all of college without his dad that my dad wasn't there to celebrate that as he walked across the stage with his diploma it it's startling every time it's not you don't get used to it I don't think no I yeah I agree I for me when I think about time as it relates to grief I think more of the like that like um I don't know, like that, and I still have those moments, but it's like that punch to the gut that I felt for the first, like, year, like, physically nauseated when I would talk about my dad and incapable of remembering the happy memories, which for me, like, time has helped bring those back. I I am able to remember the whole person and not just his death. And I think for so long for me, like now my dad was death. Like that's all I thought about was his death. And that was so – it sucked because I was like he had this whole life and we had such an amazing relationship. And it, it was like all of that just went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that – what you mentioned about the – I remember mentioning this. I don't remember if it was like to my friends or a therapist or my husband – they all kind of blended into like one being for the first year or two after my dad died. But, 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 um, that mirror, I remember walking past a mirror and being like, I don't even, like I stopped and did a double take and was like, is this what, is this who I am? Like, is this me? Is this what I look like? And it's just, yeah, there were like pieces, there are pieces of you that die with this person and new, new things about you grow over the years and, and some pieces of that may like come back, but it was just, I don't know, like you just, I didn't, I didn't realize that when you, when you would lose someone so close to you that like they take parts of you to the grave with them, Mm -hmm. that you're like, you're grieving two people almost it's so true it's so true yeah it almost hurts to hear that because it's so true I know yeah and and kind of stepping into that it I haven't figured out a good metaphor for it in all these years but it's like you're putting on a familiar it's like a new pair of pants but they're supposed to be comfortable but you can't quite figure out how to make them fit or they meet it's just strange. The new version of yourself is strange. And pieces of me have come back. I remember feeling really, I'm, I'm a gatherer of people. I, I love hosting. I love spending time with people. I love walks and coffee and dinner and all that. And I remember those first years, some people would reach out to me and say, haven't heard from you in a while. Would love to see you. I just had no, I couldn't even explain to them that I had no ability to support them, but I felt this, yeah. it was hard for me because it was like, this is who I was created yes. to be. This is who, yes. this is what I love about myself. And I have no capacity to gather people. I have very little interest in spending time with you. I don't have the energy. And I think it is so, it's when you don't know how you feel, which I think is a lot of the beginning of grief. At least it was for me. I had no idea 
I just didn't know until I knew that I was such a mess. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think when you don't realize how hard those first years are, when you're trying so hard to control something yeah. that can't be controlled, when you're feeling feelings you've never felt before, and when you like really let yourself feel grief and your insides, I mean, you, it hurts so much. You think you're going to die. Yeah. Like it is so painful physically to endure, like to allow yourself to actually feel the loss. Yeah. And you just, you can't put words around that until later, until you've kind of moved out of that a little bit and you can see that more clearly. And in the midst of it, I have a few friends kind of processing grief right now, a loss of a spouse and a loss of a mom within the last year. And they just, they keep saying to me, you know, I just, I need, I need to do this. I, I feel I feel more broken than ever, but I think that I need to talk about this, or I think I should be doing this. And I, they're trying so hard to control something that can't be controlled. And I 100% get it. I sat down with my counselor pretty early on after dad passed away. And I basically said to her, okay, here's the deal. Like I'm an organized person. I'm structured. What are the steps? What do I need to do? Like, where am I supposed to be right now? You know, I'm four months out. I'm five months out. Like, I don't get it. What do I do? Because you don't know. It's so foreign. Yeah. It's so foreign. And to feel so many feelings is so hard. Um, and she said to me, she, something that resonated with me because I love, you know, the outdoors, backpacking, camping, skiing, and all of that. She said, grief is a wilderness. And honestly, the second she said that, for me, it really it, it settled me right into, Oh, Oh, okay. So there's going to be valleys. There's going to be nights I'm camping in the snow. There's going to be rainstorms and mud. I'll be bushwhacking. Sometimes I'll have the trail. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes there'll be beautiful wildflowers. Sometimes I'll be on a mountain peak and it'll be sunny and glorious. And for some reason that just freed me up to feel my feelings, to Mm. allow things to kind of flow and to not be afraid of getting stuck in a certain emotion. Like I said so much in the first year, I'm afraid if I start crying, I'll never stop. And I really withheld tears. I mean, I really withheld that because the pain, it just hurts so much. It really does, doesn't it? Um... I, I like don't know where to begin when it comes to addressing everything that you just said, but I'm going to try. So when you talked about, I, I am also an organized person. I do not like, no, I don't, I do not fly by the seat of my pants. And truthfully, when people say that they do, I think they're lying. And like, I just give them a look of like, okay, but <laughs> I, I just, I don't believe that anyone likes surprises when it comes to life. Um, but I remember going into my therapist too after my dad died. I think I like brought a notebook and a pen and I was like, okay, <clears throat> what do I do? And I was like ready to write down everything she said about grief. And she was like, uh, I was like, I will pay you more. I will, I will, like, I literally don't even care. Just tell me what to do. Right. Totally. And like, it's just, 
it's so interesting because grief, it's so talked about. It is studied. I will say like it is, you know, has been researched, death, grief, dying, all this stuff. But like it is un, it doesn't matter how much research is out there because it is so, it is uncharted territory when it comes to you. Mm-hmm. Like it will never, you can never make sense of it. Um, And also what you said about, I am also extremely social. I am very extroverted. I love being around people. And this was the first time in my entire in my entire life. Okay, my dad died. I was twenty six, I guess technically, like right before I turned twenty seven. The first time in my life that I ever truly suffered from like social anxiety. The idea of being around people was too much for me to bear and I like wanted nothing to do with my friends and I was worried that I was going to push them away but I I completely lacked the capacity to like be there for them for anyone yeah and it was painful for me it it felt almost shameful I think yes. for me too yes yeah because I couldn't explain it. I just knew that I couldn't. All I knew is that I couldn't. And it, I think some of it to me too was vulnerability mm-hmm. being part of it. And to be asked how you are when you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. When you're, when mostly what you're thinking is, did I brush my teeth today? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I just was trying to make it to the office and make sure my hair was brushed. Mm-hmm. Like such, such survival mode. I think to be in close contact with people who are dear to me and cared so much about me and my husband and my family and mm-hmm. so supported us through this time, I appreciated and also couldn't do it. Yes. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I can't really say more than that. I just know that I couldn't, I yeah. can now, but it was pain. It hurt. And I felt badly I felt like I was letting people down right right and truly it wasn't until a couple years later where I thought oh (laughs) yeah yeah oh I I just couldn't yeah and that's okay it's okay I think that's so much about grief as I talk to some of these friends grieving now it's all okay it's okay I watched oh my gosh I watched friends all 10 seasons I mean, no less than eight times within those first few years. It's all I could take in. I couldn't read. I wasn't journaling. I didn't, I I couldn't, it it didn't make me cry. That's why I watched it. It didn't make me cry. It made me laugh and it was comforting. And it's, I mean, people are, you know, screen time, you know, all, all that jazz. Like, I feel like I need to be silent in grief. I need to connect with my God. I need to, Mm. I need to pray. I need to meditate. I need to journal. No, stop. Yeah. It is all okay. If you, if that works for you, do that, but it's all okay. Like it's, and when you talk about how grief has been studied, I think that's so interesting because I kept coming back to what are the supposedly five stages. It's like numb, shock, and finally an acceptance. And I think I thought prior, you know, I've lost other important people as well. And dad is obviously the most significant of those losses or most memorable. I, that's a terrible way to say that about people who have been lost, but no, I, um, I know what you mean. I know. What you yeah. Mean. Yeah. Um, 
I think I thought you were supposed to move through those linearly. Yes. Um, and it's just not like that. Even six years later, I could feel all of the feelings and some yeah. aren't even on the list in the same day, in the same hour. Um, yeah. And feel emotions you've never felt before. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you process old memories. Yeah. And I, and I also think for me, at least like life events really bring them out again in an order that you're not really necessarily expecting. Um, I mean, when I got pregnant the first time, it was a whole, I was just so sad. I was so sad that this was happening. Like my dad's greatest dream in life was to be a grandpa. Like he couldn't wait. And, and that this was all happening without him, I, like, couldn't wrap my mind around. And then with my second daughter, it was anger. Like, I mm-hmm. am pissed that I – that I'm going through this. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think the life stages make it very – like, these important monumental moments really yeah. highlight for me, at least – my grief like all over in ways that you don't even expect like random days I remember maybe it was our like my husband's first or second father's day I don't remember which father's I have no concept of time anymore and I blame the pandemic but I forget when it was but I just I remember it was a father's day that was awful for me awful which didn't like I didn't get it because father's day wasn't like a huge significant day in our family I mean we celebrated but it wasn't like I don't know and that day was horrible but meanwhile the like the anniversary of his death wasn't that bad so it's so unpredictable it's true and like yeah it's true and it's so true I think I one of my friends is kind of preparing herself for all of the family birthdays coming up and then the one year loss of her mom Mm. and and I'm, there's no place for my voice in that, but it could be fine or it could be completely horrible. You just right. don't know. And I think like in terms of life events, that's why I feel, I, I knew this very quickly after dad died. This will hurt for a long time, yeah. regardless of this message of time heals all wounds, because, you know, my brothers will maybe get married. Maybe they'll have kids. They, you know, my mom is taking huge life steps in different phases and Mm. she's not, you know, she's, she's doing a whole phase of her life without her spouse, Mm -hmm. like just watching all of these moments. And I think it just triggers at different moments. And I, I'm how many, I'm like 33 or 34 weeks pregnant. And Hmm. it took a while. I just was waiting. I knew something would, would hit hard with dad and it did um a couple weeks ago I just got slammed and I was weepy for a couple weeks and Mm. blah blah hormones I really sure maybe it's hormones but it just no I mean (laughs) I can't yeah like I can't believe he's not here I can't believe he doesn't get to see me pregnant I can't believe he won't be in the hospital room I can't believe my mom doesn't get to have her husband and be a grandparent with him yes and yeah I just, yeah, it, it just, it's going to keep hitting. I, someone described grief early on 
to me as like this big dot that happens and then your life keeps growing in circles around it, but the dot never gets smaller, the circle never gets smaller. And, but your life grows around it. And I keep coming, I come back to that a lot because I have chills. Yeah. Isn't that it's that helped, helped me so much to understand the continuing, how this would feel for a lifetime. Like it is a giant hole and my life will grow around it, but the hole doesn't get smaller. It doesn't fill. Um, it Mm. just, yeah, that just helps me when I think of what the rest of my life's going to be like without him, um, without the people we've all lost. I, something I, what you said about your, your mom now becoming a grandma without her spouse and it, it's, you know, for me, I know that this is something my parents like daydreamed about together, that they talked about, that they planned, mm-hmm. and and that this experience was um, robbed from my mom, it, like hurts me. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's so, it's so challenging. Everyone deals with grief differently. And yeah. it's it's hard when you are you're mourning the same person, right? You're all mourning this man, but you are mourning your dad. Your mom is mourning a partner in life. Even your brothers are mourning their dad, but it's it's just it's all so it gets so weird. Like you're mourning a different relationship. Yes. You know? Yes, completely. Completely because Oh, I could say so much on this. One of the thoughts coming coming to my mind is this fear of forgetting the person. Oh God, yeah. Um, I mean, what I mean, yeah, it, it's <sighs> terrifying. I remember a couple of years ago, I was sitting with one of my brothers, and we weren't sad about it, but we were both trying to remember. Didn't Dad have a gap in his teeth? Because later he had he had veneers because he had ground his teeth down so small he had to get. I guess are those fake teeth? I don't know what veneers are, but yeah. Um, yeah, and we were just like, wait, he had a gap in his teeth, didn't he? It, it's just, yeah, it's terrifying. I remember saying something out loud to my aunt, my dad's sister, mm. and just saying about the fear of forgetting him and just hearing her as my dad's sibling who grew up with him. I mean, just a totally different history and a totally right. different kind of grief. Yeah. Um, getting teary and saying, oh, I'll never forget my brother's hug. I'll never forget his voice. I'll never forget the way his hands felt. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll never forget when I got to dance with him. And just that moment for me kind of illuminated this bigger picture of the. I call it the manifestation of grief yeah. because I started to see in our family you know, I can't speak for my mom what it'll be like to become a grandparent without my dad. I sure. imagine yeah. there's complex emotions. I can't I can't speak to that, but I just can observe that step outside of myself and my own grief story with my dad and see the ripple effects of it. And yeah. I there was a time where I felt like honestly I just felt like shit was hitting the fan in our family after dad died. And yeah. 
my youngest brother was struggling in school. My other brother was struggling personally. My mom was calling me and we were talking through it. Mm -hmm. I remember hanging up on the, hanging up with her and realizing she lost her person to talk through things with her children, like about her children. We can't be, we, I think that phone call for both of us kind of concluded with, with unspoken words of, Oh, like, I can't be that person for you, mom. And mom's thinking she, my daughter can't be that person. I think there was this scrambling that I don't know that we've ever communicated to each other, but this scrambling to fill the hole of my dad. Mm. And it was in that moment where I realized the hole can't be filled. Like my brothers can't play a role that they weren't meant to play. They just have to be brothers. My mom can now only be a single parent mom trying to talk through with herself what to do when her children are struggling. Like she doesn't have a sounding board anymore. Um, And, and, you know, Mm. I just realized that is one of the harder realizations of grief, I think, because for so long we were trying to, it can't be felt. My dad was one and only. He was special. There's no one like him. Same with everyone we've lost. It cannot be filled. Yeah. It's, and I think that is one of the parts of grief that is so difficult to overcome because that is when you really hit the bottom. That's when it's dark because mm-hmm. it, it is shocking that they aren't there and that there's not a damn thing you can do to replace them. You can't, I mean, you can keep as many of their t-shirts as you want. You can have as many photos around as you want, but that person cannot be replaced. Yeah. And I think that's a moment in grief that is a huge moment of, wow, how do I move forward from here? That is a whole that I just have to honor. Yeah. And yeah, I think watching different members of my family, we've all grieved very differently. I, I really, I think it requires a lot of bravery and courage to talk. I mean, to have this podcast alone, Ruby, to do that is incredibly brave and courageous because, and I think it makes us, if we're willing to talk about these hard things, if we're willing to talk about not only like the joy of the life that we've lost, the, the person we've lost, but also the hardship because no relationship is perfect. Yeah. I think it just takes a lot of courage and bravery to grieve. And if you're brave and courageous and grieving, for me, I've just seen transformation and I feel more wholehearted. I wish mm-hmm. I didn't, I wish this isn't, wasn't the path it to get here. Totally. Right. But I feel, I feel more gentle. I feel softer. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. feel stronger. I feel, I feel braver. I feel willing to let those hard emotions hit me because I know they won't suck me down anymore. Six years later, I know that I won't drown in them, but that they'll wash over me and I'll move through them. That was a lot of different responses to our start. No, I, I, I love that. Like I'm totally blanking on who this was, but I had this exact conversation with someone maybe it was charity the last episode but it was about this idea that like yeah it sucks obviously sucks that this is what it took for you to learn that lesson to become this person to become softer but at the same time like you have this perspective on life and on grief and how to um like show up for people 
and 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 so true yeah and be this like empathetic feeler for people that that so many other people can't relate to Mm -hmm. um and I mean I guess at the same time it's it's you know because what we just said that people grieve so differently so it's funny like I you know people will reach out to me and say like hey you know like my friends will say, hey, like my coworker just lost their spouse, their mom, whatever. Like, what should I say? I'm like, I, you know them. I don't. So like, I don't know what to <laughs> I mean, there's, right. you know, there's no, and it, it all goes back to like, yeah, we can research grief. We can research pro- appropriate response. But like, it doesn't matter because it is such an individual experience no matter what I I mean I think there are commonalities right like obviously so much of what you are saying is like I I like feel it deep in my bones Mm -hmm. but something that would make me feel better might not make you feel better and vice versa um yes you know yes I think that's such an interesting thing about grief is to not make any assumptions because I see so many commonalities between people grieving you know my my friend mentor who's lost her husband and my one of my dearest friends who had a stillborn baby and I mean I know it just hurts to even say that it just feels so wrong to even say that and there's so many commonalities in our feelings and yet the stories are different and I think acknowledging that is really important and I think people do ask me like what should I say what should I do and one of the what here's the only thing that I don't always remember, but one thing that I think is really kind to do when it feels right and appropriate is to ask the question, what was he or she or they like? Yeah. What what was he like? And I think mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful and kind question to ask because there's so many logistics around someone passing away and so many emotions that to come back to the person who was lost and to get to share to get to tell someone what my dad was like or to hear what my friend's grandmother was like is just really freeing for them. And I think in turn, people do ask me and, you know, even people expect me, I think probably the same of you when someone has died to know what to do. And I think I know less now because what happens to me is when I hear someone's passed away, who's important to someone I'm close to, I, it hits me so hard. I feel it deeply. I don't have words because I just am thinking, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm just, I'm so sorry you have to feel these feelings. I am just, it's so weighty. It's silencing almost because I know the weight of grief. Um, And because I know that they will feel it at some point. And I just. You like dread this for them. Yes. Like, you know, what's coming is a great word. Yes. 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 Like, you know, what is coming down the pike for them and you are, uh, yeah, I, 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 so I feel the exact same way that like, and also it can be challenging because like, then you kind of, or maybe you don't, but I know that I can, um, project my experience onto people and some people deal with grief Mm. totally differently. Um, and it doesn't mean they're, like, any less sad or impacted than me. It just, like, they just deal with things differently. But I, you know, when my dad died, like, I quit my job. And mm. I, like, wanted to leave my husband and, like, start a new life. I don't know. What, I mean, I wanted to come back to Denver. But I was, like, I need 
everything I knew around me to go away. I, yeah. I like, I must start fresh. And my yeah. husband was like, no, I'm not going to leave. <laughs> and so bless him. But, um, but like, yeah, I don't, and, and some people are like, you know, they take a week off of work and they come right back and, and, and that's not a judgment. It's, it's just so, it's so, it's hard for me because I hear someone dies and I'm just like, oh God, oh, you don't even know what you're in for. Oh my yeah. God, I'm so sorry. And it's, it may not be the case for them. True. That's true. You know? That's true. And I also think that's true, which I think too is maybe, see, this is going to sound judging. I got to be careful, but it's maybe a disservice to them if they're not going to do the hard work of grieving someone. It's maybe a disservice, but because I think it's a disservice to everyone around you because I also noticed this too, like the anger. I remember having wicked road road rage. Oh my God, yeah. And it was so startling to me. Yes, you are not the person that I would think would have road rage. No, I just was fierce (laughs) and vicious. And I remember asking a friend who had lost her dad in college, I said, I'm really angry recently. And Mm -hmm. she just said, very normal. And that's all she said. And it just made me think, oh, and it's, and I'm glad I worked through it because otherwise, you know, the grocery clerk would get my anger, you know, of course. Yes. Yes. And so, and that was kind of a thought too, of I need to work through this. There's something else. What did you say that I wanted? Oh, in terms of, I do like, maybe this is helpful to people who are listening and trying to understand grief or how to support. I think showing up is important. I think just say something, a letter and checking in regularly for a longer period of time is important because, you know, everyone's there for you in the first few months and then the world still feels like it stopped for you, but everyone keeps going. Yes, so yes. There were, yeah. Oh, you know what else you said too about husband? That's something that was, that's something in terms of talking about who is impacted. <sighs> I think I totally just for a long time, Travis isn't impacted. It's not his dad, right. but he was my fiance when my dad died and yeah. he had to step up in ways that were, like he had his own grief in terms of talking about how people grieve. I think acknowledging that my own spouse was grieving in mm. his own way was really important for our marriage. Yes, totally. And yeah, yeah. That I mean, that I think could be a whole nother podcast. I mean, I, I remember listening to you and John's podcast, Travis and I listened to it. We were actually in New Zealand and you know, not everything resonated, but it all triggered a conversation. We would stop it constantly mm-hmm. with you two talking about what that time was like for you when your dad died and yeah. what it was like for John and Travis and I, I mean, mm-hmm. it just opened, like, did you feel that way, Travis? Like, oh, this is what I perceived when you were doing that. And it just, man, to, to, to tackle grief in a, in a marriage or a significant yes. relationship is yes, it's a big deal. It is. It's a big deal. It is. Yeah. I, well, okay, I want to address that, but first, I really can't get this mental image out of my head. Okay, you know when Corella Deville is absolutely losing her mind in the car, and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> like her eyes are different colors, and her hair just gets like that is what I've pictured ever since you said you had road rage. Okay. <laughs> so, so oh my can, gosh, it's so weird. 
<laughs> I'm just like, I'm trying, I am listening to everything you're saying, but like, it just keeps coming back to that. But <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> but like, I felt the same, like, um, well, okay. So this is opposite because not that I ever had road rage, but I think I was like a tougher and I've come back, but I was like a tougher person before my dad died. And then I remember after my dad died, we lived on the East Coast and people are horrible drivers there. If you're listening and you are on the East Coast, I'm speaking to you. <laughs> Everyone there is a horrible driver and like they're just, I hate them all. I hate them all. And so I just remember people like passing me and being aggressive and people like cutting you off. And I just, I remember being like, don't honk at me. Like, mm. be gentle with me. And, but which is like totally. so not who I am. <laughs> Nor like otherwise I'd be like okay now I'm gonna tail you till you get to your destination, not yeah, actually but like exactly. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it comes to like going through this with a partner I mean my god I could talk about that for 90 million episodes but and I think I have mentioned this but I I also I feel like I wasn't as not I feel like I know that I wasn't as tender and gentle with John as I should have been because like he was also grieving both my dad and also like me Mm-hmm. And this life that we thought we were about to embark on, I mean, totally. we, we like we we waited to go on our honeymoon until we like had more time off so we could like actually enjoy ourselves. And we had a fun time, but like I cried on a lot of our honeymoon, which is not mm. how I thought – and I, I'm going to speak for my husband. I don't think either one of us thought that like that is what our honeymoon – was going to look like and I remember a therapist that I we got or I got when I moved back to Denver and he came with me a couple times because I remember getting so frustrated with him because he kept trying to fix shit he kept trying and he would be like what can I do when I was crying or how like you were just okay and now you're not so like what happened that and I was like oh my god I like can't I don't have the capacity to explain this to you and I was getting so annoyed and my therapist just said on a time that I can't remember if John was with me or not and she just said John is watching you right now be brutally attacked and beaten and he has to stand there with someone holding his hands behind his back. Mm. Like that oh. is his experience right now. And I burst into tears because I cannot imagine if the tables were turned and I had to watch my partner just get pummeled by life and mm. know that there is nothing I can do to help him. Gosh. Yeah. And that I was just that like – Still, to this day, I, I was like, oh, okay, okay. Hmm. Oh, it hurts so much. I just hearing that. I mean, yeah. And, and it's so, it's so true in so many of our relationships in life, how mm. often we just 
yeah, you can't take the beating for somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think when you talk about not being gentle with John, I mean, this is a story I have never said, except obviously between me and Travis, and I'm not proud of it. And I'm going to be brave and say it anyway. But I think early on, I remember Travis was crying pretty hard after my dad died. And I, oh, I hate saying this. I hate it. I snapped at him and said, your dad didn't die. Mine did. Get it together. And man, so vicious. So vicious. And I think that probably... I think my voice holds a lot of weight and I think that probably shut him down pretty hard for a few years before we were really able to dive into that and counseling mm. together. And it hurt. I can't believe I did that. And I also can't believe how he had, I, I will never understand his experience of showing up as a fiance for my family the way that my mom leaned on him the way that people respected him and counted on him in that time the role he had to play before he had even married me I mean (sighs) it's just wild and when you talk about your honeymoon being like sort of joyful a lot of sad I just there were so many I think I remember Travis saying oh now you know we're married let's do this let's do that and my answer was no just I can't I can't tell you why I can't but I can't and Mm. I I think it felt, even at the wedding, like carrying, this is how the only image I could come up with was like, I felt like I was carrying a bucket of balloons, like my bucket of joy, and then a bucket of tears, like sorrow. And I couldn't carry both at the same time. I'd pick one up and put the other one down. And I think that's one of the other things that grief has taught me is that, I mean, it's so, maybe it's cliche, but life truly is bittersweet. Like it is very yeah. bittersweet and, you know, maybe in youth, depending on what your story was like, you've had more joy than sorrow and it's startling when hard things start to happen and you mm-hmm. start to think what's wrong with life. Life is broken. And I think that was something that sort of came out of those years of being a newlywed and also grieving my dad. And, and at the same time, my, my, around the time my dad passed away and I, I won't go into this that much because I, I frankly don't have the emotional capacity for it, but my yeah. cousin who was like my sister, cousin, best friend was diagnosed with cancer. And then she died a few months after dad died. And oh so God, there was just a lot of grief and loss of very important, significant people who I would have leaned on a lot in the beginning of marriage and still would. And yeah. I think that's when <clears throat> someone said to me, this is quite a tangent, but that's what grief is. I mean, yeah. is it's tangents. <laughs> Someone said, she didn't say this to me. She was talking about her belief. She, she practices Buddhism. And she said one of the principles of Buddhism is that life is suffering. And I think that in whatever year of grief and whatever year after dad had passed away I was in was really interesting to me because I think I was under this mindset of like life's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, it's the best. But then what happens when you think that and all these horrible things happen both at home and abroad and in your own personal story is like, what the fuck is wrong with life? Like you, it it messes you up. It makes you angry and bitter because you think life is supposed to be the best. And yet you keep getting pummeled and beat up and, and your hands are tied and that image that you shared. And I think when she said that it really shifted my mindset around processing loss because, and how I kind of view life now, like, 
I never had this kind of moment with dad or when my cousin Elizabeth passed away of like, why, why? But it was more like, of course, because life is suffering. Like, of course he's not here. And now what am I, what am I going to do about it? And I think it, it maybe sounds really negative, but for me, it's very grounding to expect, Mm. to expect loss, to expect pain. And then what makes life beautiful is those sweet seasons, those sweet moments where you can savor what's precious and good, where you can savor the laughter of your daughters, where you can savor the weeks that go by when it's like nothing to report. What a relief to have nothing to report, you know, no updates. Like when it's sweet between you and your spouse, when your relationship with your mom is good, when the pie that you bake, I do not bake pies, but when the pie that you bake isn't burnt, you know, I think it makes, for me, that really shifted for me, like, if I expect suffering and loss, if I expect hard things to keep happening, then all these other moments about life can be that much more beautiful and precious, and I can savor them, and I do savor them, mm. because you and I both know that life can change in a split second, and globally, we're experiencing that. I mean, yeah. we've all experienced that we aren't in control, and that we can't predict the future and what do we do when that happens I've experienced that in small ways and now in a big way and yeah and I think because I know that life can change on a dime that I could lose anyone that the news could be bad it makes me just want to cling to the precious moments and and just I keep saying savor but I mean it savor them yeah 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 I I'm just like sitting in what you said because I, I love that so much. And, and I, I have always been someone who expects the worst and mm-hmm. which is not whatever. It's gotten me this far, but I, <laughs> I'm not changing now. I'm 32, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, oh, I, I, I have like my, my brain is running a million miles. A I know it's like everything you say, I have something to say too, <laughs> because it's just, there's so much that resonates. And I yeah. think, I think what bubbled up for me is that hope is probably one of my number one values, even in, in, in spite of everything hope for me. And I think I will, I don't know what hope looks like. I don't know. I don't put parameters on what hope looks like, but I think what bubbled up from that is I will cling to hope that, that, but I will be very clear. I do. I never dismiss darkness. I never dismiss hard feelings. Like when we need to sit in the dark and it's done, like it's gross and scary and freaky, we will sit there because the longer we sit there and do the hard thing, and feel the emotions, and be afraid, I think that's what allows me to rise to the top. Like, if you allow yourself to feel, feel afraid, and let it be hard, then that's what, that's the only reason I can come back to, like, there's hope. I don't know if you're going to ever, you know, single, my dear single friends, I don't know if you're going to get married or not, I just know that there's hope, but let's sit here for a little while, and be super, pissed off and bummed that you're in your 30s and you're still single and your whole world it seems to be racing in front of you and you haven't you don't own a home and you don't have kids and you're not married like let's sit here and let that suck and then let's also step into hope and that kind of feels like this imagery of this my bucket of tears 
and my bucket of balloons. Like yeah. somehow, somehow life is that. I, yeah. It's not always, you know, somehow it just is that. Yeah. Um, and what yeah. I, I'm bringing it back to what you said at the very beginning about time, that time, time does not heal. Mm. But what I will, I, I think that that bucket of balloons and tears is such a good metaphor for like letting the two coexist and knowing that you will hold both for the rest of your life after you've experienced yeah. loss. That is something I have learned just th- yeah. by time passing that I don't have to put my bucket of balloons down to hold my bucket of tears. I will always hold both. Mm. You know? It's so true. Like It feels very grown up, doesn't it? Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Take me back to college. <laughs> I know, right? Everything was yeah. far less complicated for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, Maggie, this was yeah, – Wait, what? You go. You go. I'm like, I, we could keep talking for five hours. So I, I want to honor your time here. But <laughs> yeah, I, well, I like, t- I, I want to honor your time as well. I want to say, I want to ask you a question. So, and see where this goes. Like, I, this is totally a, a zoom out. So you, you have a podcast on grief, which is, as I said, very brave and very courageous and very, helpful for those grieving and very helpful for those trying to understand it. And you have been very honest about how your dad died and very, to me, very vulnerable and brave in that. And I just am curious, like, what is that like? I mean, what has that been like for you to be so candid? What's that emotional process been like for you? This was not negotiated before we started talking on the podcast, so I just want to You're say right. I'm very, very caught off guard by that question. Um, you no, can I'm... edit this. You can edit it out. It's your podcast. That's true. That's true. I have a lot of power. Um, no, I I go very back and forth when it comes to being honest about how I lost my dad, and I think ultimately I decided that. For me, this is for me, okay? This is not, I want to like say, this is not a judgment call on anyone who has lost anyone to suicide or overdose or anything that like society has deemed, quote, Mm. bad. For me, I felt that if I wasn't honest about how my dad died, that I was going to be perpetuating this I guess, the negativity that surrounded losing someone to suicide. Mm. And it was really important for me that I attempted to help remove the stigma. Not that I, I, I don't believe that I have that much power, <laughs> that I can remove it altogether. But I, I guess my hope was that someone would listen to this who has also lost someone to suicide, who just felt like validated. And I think oftentimes, especially, I I think oftentimes we have this idea of what someone who decides to end their own life looks like, that like they're this depressed, mopey, like everyone saw it coming from a mile away when like that's not true. Um, And and I, I guess I just, I wanted to, 
validate those people who who maybe not don't feel as seen um I don't know does that answer your question what was your question really <laughs> yeah who knows I don't know, I know. <laughs> who knows what day it is yes, yeah seriously. that's super powerful I think and I think I'm asking because I've I've, I'm asking for a lot of reasons, but I think it's also, it's just really powerful and it's really beautiful. And I think it's super brave and it's, I mean, is there a better word for this? Is there a synonym? It's vulnerable. It's, it's super vulnerable. And I think no matter what around death, it's vulnerable, but you're right. When there's some kind of stigma or perception of the type of person who dies by suicide, um, yeah, I think it, it's really powerful to share that. So then my other question, because I'm like, how many I, of these do you have? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I know. I know. It is, um, remember you have the power. You can edit all of this out. Um, um, is like processing because it's relevant to my story is why I'm asking yeah, processing yeah, yeah. how grieving your dad as like, someone who struggled enough to want to take their own life and also someone who you adore. I mean, how do you hold both of those versions of your dad? It's the same man. Like, how do you process that? Okay. That is, that is a separate episode. Um, I, because I, I, I think about that all the time. It's hard for me. And I, I, a part of me wonders if I will struggle with this for the rest of my life that I'm really mad at him. Mm. And and I'm also someone who deeply believes that mental illness is, is completely out of our control. It is just as violent on the body as cancer, as a heart attack, as insert whatever, quote, natural cause of death you want. And so, like, it's really hard for me to reconcile that I fully believe that, and I'm also so pissed at him. Mm. And it's, yeah, I, I think I will struggle with that for the rest of my life. I really do. Yeah, it's a complex grief. I yes. Think, I think that's one of the other small things, not small, but big things I would want to communicate and, like, talk through with you. Yeah is the complexity of grief because you and I talked about prior to this episode, like how something that happens when someone dies is they become kind of this like saint in your head. And I think it's necessary to get through the beginning. You just forget, you forget all the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You Mm -hmm. forget that they were human, that it was complicated, that there were times you were ignored or you felt let down by them, that they hurt you, that, you know, in some like stories, there could be trauma, loss. They left your family. You know, there's there's a lot of complexities to a relationship that's lost, and they become yeah. saint-like yes. until they don't. And you mentioned it in the beginning. I think like the bad memories. Like I, I my husband and I traveled the world right before COVID hit, and it, part of it was kind of this celebration of wholeness of kind of coming back to ourselves and making it through the years of of after dad died and after Elizabeth died. And, um, but during traveling, I, I would get flashbacks of really bad memories of my dad that I mm. kind of forgotten about. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. 
I think once again, I mean, my counselor really is like, she's a saint. She's our counselor. We go to her together, but, Mm. um, I remember kind of trying to paint my dad really positively and erase the ugly parts. And she said, she said, that isn't honoring to him, like to honor the full person. You can be mad at she, I remember Mm -hmm. her saying, you can be mad at the dead. And I was like, really? She said, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You can be mad at the dead. I said, that's good to know. That's good to know. (laughs) Um, And she just said, you know, honoring the fullness of your dad. Mm. Like we don't want to erase the ugly parts because that's not human. It's not humanity. I think what you're kind of talking about this, this anger, this sorrow, this complexity that you feel about him. I just think it's important for people in grief to know it's okay that to not, you know, there'll be a saint in your mind for as long as they are, as you're trying to get through some of the hardest parts. And then some things will start to poke holes in that. And you'll (sighs) remember these memories that need to be processed and honored. And it is actual, actually beautiful for someone to say, we loved you anyway. Like this happened. You treated us this way. This was part of our story. You struggled with this. And I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, Yeah. I just think it's powerful. Yes, yes, yes. A million times over. I, you know, as, as close as I was to my dad and how, and as much as I cherished our relationship, like he was not a flawless human being. And for so long, I forgot about that. Um, I forgot about some like really bad fights that we had. I forgot about his temper, which was bad. And because like what you were just saying, it was just like I I would tell myself like, oh, well, none of that matters now. It doesn't matter. But like my relationship with him is still alive in my memory, in my heart. Mm -hmm. So like I – it does it does do you a disservice to like forget all of it. You can't do that. You can't. It's, they're still there. Yeah. What an interesting way to say that your relationship is still alive. And that's why I think it's hard for the living because we keep processing it over and over again. Yup. Yeah. 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 A complex grief. It's complicated. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Should we end on a better note? Do we need some more positivity? I'm like, do you have anything happy to say? Because I am fresh out. (laughs) (laughs) The sun's shining. It's warm outside. It is. It is. The mountains do look really beautiful. I I thought that on my way here, that the mountains are like covered in snow, and I love that. Um, So that's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is good. Um, Yeah, thank you. This was... I mean, there's, as we both know, as anyone listening probably knows, there's a lot to say about yes. this. Yeah. And yeah. I think we, we covered a lot of good tangents. <laughs> I, I love that. Thank you so much, Maggie, for you being willing to also be vulnerable and share and, and just offer such great insight. Um, I took away several golden nuggets, so... I, yeah, I thank you for your time and, and just devoting energy and time to this. Yeah, thank you, Ruby. Thanks for doing this.